This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Standing tall on the shores of Lake Ontario, the CN Tower, the world's tallest freestanding structure, looks down on the attractions of Toronto, the Sky Dome, Young Street, Queen's Quay, and Exhibition Place, known as the X, site of round 11 of the PPG Cart World Series. You are on the grid for the Molson Indy. Great job, mate. Awesome job. One, two. Wonderful. One, two. And Team Great Green. Great job, guys. Has well done. done it. Team Green finishes first and second, Frankini, and then Paul Tracy. The checkered flag's out. Seventh win in Toronto. First win this year for Michael Andretti. Since winning at Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama, it's not being too dramatic to say it's been a nightmare for Joseph Newgarden. However, he's going to turn it all around. The team's first one, two. Joseph Newgarden, the 24-year-old American, wins in Toronto for the very first time. For those most famous words in all of sports, here to give the command, welcome Robert Wickens. Future drivers of mine, start your engines. Simon Pagino, Scott Dixon was just hoping he had a misstep. Dixon now clears Ed Jones. Pagino, though, was a little bit slower through turn number three. Can Dixon catch him on the last lap next? He's trying to pedal, and Mark, it sounds like we've got a car on the wall on the final lap. We do, and it is the car of Will Power. It is right at the apex of turn number eight, and a full course caution comes out onto the course on the final lap. Oh, God, sorry, God. Okay, coming to the check in here. From pole position to victory lane, Simon Pagino wins in Toronto. Great job. Stand ahead on Thanks, everyone. Hey, Simon, we finally won Toronto. There are a lot of bad days in racing, but those sweet days, man, they make up for it. Headed back north of the border for the first time since 2019 coming up this weekend. Hello, welcome, Trackside. 93.5-1075 The Fan in Indianapolis. Sam Rumsa is at the MS Communications Worldwide Headquarters. I'm Kevin Lee. Kurt Cavan is with us. You can join in via Twitter at KevinLee23 at Kurt Cavan as we get set for the Honda Indy Toronto coming up this weekend from Exhibition Place. Some of the highlights from the last several years and a lot of things to get into tonight. Not only this race, uh, how to watch it, how to listen to it, who's going to be there, who's not going to be there, who's going to be where next year. And, you know, as I said last week, silly season for 24 has already started. I was only half joking. It, it really has. And, and as I've chatted with people this week and it's, oh, no, no, it, it's, it's on for 2024. That is already in the process at this point. We've still got things from mid-Ohio to unpack and much more on the show tonight. Kurt, I think we do need to start uh, on how to watch the broadcast, and it needs to be a bit of a public service announcement. First of all, for simplicity, nothing's changed from the radio aspect. You can still listen to 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan in IndyCar Radio, 3 o'clock airtime Sunday afternoon, 3.30-ish is the green flag for this race. But this isn't something that was just sprung. It was when the... um, Contract extension with NBC and IndyCar was announced. When would that have been? July of last year. There you go. You looked it up. So just about a year ago. And it was on the books that there were going to be two races exclusively on Peacock, meaning 
not on cable television and not on NBC. Well, it turns out once the schedule came out, an agreement was made, uh, more television time was found, whatever. Only one race is going to be exclusively on Peacock. And it's this one. And, you know, I kind of theorized, and I think others did at the time, well, you know, we know this is going down a new path. So let's choose the one that we're not 100% certain that it's going to happen because it obviously was a concern. We didn't know where things stood as far as being able to get over the border. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that normally go to IndyCar races that will not be going to the race coming up this weekend. But this is the Peacock race. So I'm going to leave that up to you to explain. How do we get Peacock? Well, uh, you know, most I will say I will start with this. Most of the race fans that have been following this sport have really appreciated the streaming opportunity that's available and hasn't been available really until about a year ago, uh, being able to watch all all track activity. practices, qualifying sessions, and then the race, not only live, but you could watch it in an on-demand situation. So you could always go back and, and watch a race if, if it was, uh, once it was posted about, you know, a few minutes after the race, you could always go to the streaming service and watch it. And, you know, more so now than a year ago, I think more and more people are pretty tuned into the streaming options that are out there, you know, from Hulu to, uh, Netflix to to all the different uh, streaming platforms that are now available on your television or or mobile device or what have you, so it's not it's not quite the shock that that I remember feeling or the kind of the anxiety that I felt a year ago when this was announced, thinking, boy, I just don't know how many people are switched on to Peacock, um, you know, and then paying the four ninety nine a month for Peacock Premium, which is where all this IndyCar and motorsports content, in addition to what sixty thousand hours of of uh, TV hits and you know popular movies and and a variety of news and sports content, you know, Tour de France and all these, you know, the Premier League and and uh, golf and and so forth. Anyway, uh, I think I think it's an easier transition this month as compared to where it was a year ago, uh, that more people who are accustomed to following IndyCar know what Peacock is, know how to find it. And you can do that at PeacockTV.com. It's easier if you hit backslash sports, uh, but you can get there just PeacockTV.com. And if you have, if you're an Xfinity customer, uh, chances are you already have it. So it's uh, part of the NBC universal family. And so if you're an Xfinity customer and, and I think there's another uh, Spectrum. An, uh, yeah, Spectrum might have it. And, and I think there's another one uh, st- still yet that, that I don't think most of us in central Indiana have. Cox Contour is another one that, that has okay. uh, Peacock Premium. But if you don't have it, you can go there pretty easily. You can sign up for uh, there's a seven day trial. Uh, which you can get for free if you just want to watch really? this race. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. I was going to suggest that people do a Google search to see if there was a trial. Yeah, um, they uh, Peacock PeacockTV.com offers a seven-day trial, which would get you through this race regardless of when you sign up for it from this point forward. And you can always sign up for four ninety-nine a month. Enjoy it. Uh, you can shut it off at any point. That you know, it's a four ninety-nine. For your month and 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 really if you just wanted to watch the the last couple you know three months here of this season uh actually two months would get you for nine you know for pretty much 10 bucks 
you could watch the rest of the season, practice qualifying and, and the races. But again, most of the people that are tuned into IndyCar at this point have have been on Peacock because they haven't been able to watch qualifying or the practice sessions and all that month of May content in particular without having Peacock. So I don't know that it's as big a shock. I do know the message boards and, and various uh, social media have, uh, you know, really been talking about this. Um, if you go back in the conversation, and I think it's fair to, the last contract extension or discussion with NBC prior to uh, this latest one a year ago was how much streaming should you have? And and four years ago when this was discussed, you know, whether it was going to be on an Amazon platform or another uh, streaming platform, I think there was a little anxiety about, a lot of anxiety actually, about how much the fan base was, was ready for it from an appetite standpoint. But I, th- I think most of us are there. I could be speaking out of turn, and I know there will be some people disappointed, and there won't be quite as many people watching on Peacock Premium as there would have been if it would have been a, an over-the-air broadcast or even a cable broadcast. But I, I think I think most of the IndyCar fans will find it. There are a lot of different ways to go. Um, you know, first, the comments. You read the comments, and people that comment tend to want to be angry about something, so don't just base it on that. Most people that are satisfied don't go to the trouble of commenting. But I do see some of the comments, and I feel for my friend Lee Diffie, who I know was on vacation last week, and there was a video that he recorded like a year and a half ago explaining how to activate Peacock and use it. And then, of course, I flip on the comments, and it's just venom. And this is – if Diff looks at his Twitter account during vacation, he's just filled with uh, hate messages. And I get the principle of it. Oh, I'm paying for this and this, and I'm not paying anymore. Okay, if, if you don't have the extra $5, if that's going to force you to foreclose or anything else, you should not do this. Uh, or you have one less cup of coffee uh, a month and you've taken care of that. But we all have to make our choices. And I understand the principle of that. And I'm paying an awful lot of different people, too, you know, for for that. And that's that's kind of the way of the new world. But essentially what streaming is, it's the next cable television, because that's the most often heard comment. I'm already paying for cable television. I'm not paying for this. Well, this is what is going to be cable television in a few years. And if you wonder why networks and sports franchises are doing deals like this, it's because they don't want to be left behind. Because at some point, the one that doesn't have a streaming platform is going to be left behind and is going to be in trouble with whatever is next. And we don't know when cable TV is going away. Obviously, Comcast hopes it's not going away anytime soon. They're very much in the in the cable television business, and they're kind of straddling that line and trying to to maintain both of those entities as well. But to get something that someone has to produce, generally you have to pay for it in some manner, and that's what this is, whether we like it or not. And if you don't choose to use it, I understand, and and we'll miss you for the weekend, and we'll hope to see you back soon. Uh, But in my mind, I know I'm biased, but I do find that this streaming service has a lot of value with a lot of things other than just the one thing that I'm most interested in. It has a lot of different things I'm interested in from a sports standpoint, 
and from an entertainment standpoint. And worst case scenario, you do the seven day trial and you watch it for the weekend. And if you don't find anything else you're interested in, then you cancel it. So that's where we stand uh, on that. Um, I also see this. Go ahead, Kurt. And I, I hear I, I have I, a bad I, connection, so I don't know what's going on. No, all, all things are good. Um, the point I made earlier is that if you have Comcast, meaning if you have Xfinity, there's a very good chance you already have it. And I just looked up market share of the various uh, cable companies. Comcast, its market share in 2022 through the first quarter of 2022, uh, market share was 18%. So it's it's likely one in five people and probably more in this market as opposed to other markets. But in across the country, one in five people have Comcast. Chances are you've already got Peacock if you'll look for it. So I just think that's important to point out. I read this online from the Indianapolis Star from Nathan Brown that there's only going to be three minutes of commercials in the Peacock broadcast. And I know there's been some uh, chatter about, well, wait a minute, I thought it was ad free. It's not really doable for live sporting events that are being simulcast. I don't know what it says in the fine print and so forth, but it works that way for practice shows because practice shows aren't on television. When we're on television as well, it becomes a little more difficult. Well, this is this is different. It's not on television. So I'm sure they're still trying to sell some advertising. So I was told a couple of weeks ago, we all were told that there are going to be limited commercials. And it was kind of vague. We didn't know how much, but obviously someone has given Nathan the uh, idea behind that. And I also, if you're looking for more information on how to do this, how to navigate it, because why I'd like to think everyone kind of gets, you know, I understand they don't. We're in the we're in the communications business. And even though the two of us still struggle a little bit with some things, we're a lot further ahead than most people, especially that are a little bit older than us. So it does take a little bit of help. So check out Nathan's story on IndyStar.com or on his uh, his Twitter handle that kind of goes through the options and, and what it is. You know, for example, people will say, oh, I don't want to watch it on my computer. Well, you don't have to watch it on your computer. It's um, if you're if you have grown kids, ask your kids, ask your kids to help you ask your grandkids to help you set up to be able to watch it and plug it into your device um, Amazon Prime Day, they're selling fire sticks for like 10 bucks right now. You know, that's something that you can plug in and be able to watch your computer on your TV. And there are different ways to do it. I use Roku. I find Roku very, very simple and I'm not that sharp. So it's pretty much plugging it in, following the instructions takes about five minutes. I thought Apple TV worked pretty well. We had that as well. And I've taken the just trying, especially with small TVs. I buy a smart TV. I, I bought one today, $89 for a smart TV. You turn it on, you give it your internet code uh, for your household internet, and all of a sudden I can get YouTube TV, Peacock, whatever the case may be on there. But Nathan has some good stuff on there. And I think, you know, yes, it's one more step to not just watch it on television, but I've not counted what our ad breaks are in an hour, but I think for most sporting events, it's probably 15 minutes, 18 minutes an hour, something like that. Three minutes for the entire race. Wow. If that's, if that's true, that's, that is what people are going to say. Hey, if I can do that, I might be willing 
to go to the extra step. So this is all a grand experiment for where things are going and the next TV contract, not just for this sport, but for every sport. The MLS just signed a, an exclusive streaming deal. As I've mentioned before, the NFL is doing Thursday night football exclusively for streaming. It's coming, and the market is going to dictate how much it is. I was just going to think and to say that if uh, if you only got three minutes worth of commercials, you better save your voice tonight because you're going to be uh, doing a fair amount of extra talking. But uh, you know, you that's do why the, I'm in the booth. Do... It's a Peacock show. It's a Peacock show. You know, Radio Kevin is needed. Yeah, you um, you do. NBC does all these practice and qualifying sessions commercial free, so it can be done, and and it's a great product. And as I said, I maybe I'm overestimating. Uh, how switched in uh, most of the IndyCar fan base is to Peacock at this point, uh, a year into what I think is really the hard push. In fact, we we really started the push, I believe, in 2020, maybe 2019. Uh, we've been working towards Peacock in some form. Uh, it's been a couple years. It didn't have as much content the first couple years. Um, and you didn't have live shows, but all of last year, for sure, you did all live shows during practices. And uh, so we're a couple years into this. I think it's, yeah, even been more than that with um, NBC Sports Gold that, that went back for a That's few right. years. And for a while, more things were simulcast on television. So NBCSN went away, it became Peacock, became the sports platform. And with NBCSN going away, while some would see that's not great, but the benefit of that has been that's how you got more races on network television because they weren't trying to program a sports channel anymore. And they're only putting races on USA when they have nowhere to put them on network television and also based on the contracts. You know, right now, IndyCar has a more favorable contract from a network avail percentage than NASCAR does. And that may change the next NASCAR contract. I'm going to guess NASCAR is going to demand that it changes and more races are on network than are going to be on, on cable television. So uh, that's, that's one of the things going on for this weekend. So that's really interesting. And, you know, one thing that still is, is going to be something to watch too, is more sports go exclusively on streaming Will bars, will sports bars pick up these services as well? And you know what's going to help on that front is Thursday night football. So they will. They're they're all going to have Amazon Prime, and that's going to get them in the know of figuring out how to do this to potentially get Peacock. And that's going to be more of a challenge, you know, if if sports are on four different platforms, if Netflix has some, if Amazon has some. If Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Peacock, that becomes a little more of a challenge. So that plays into the rights fees. I think the the networks want to make sure that they have enough compelling programming that's going to highly encourage everyone. Um, you know, and what helps is that I know uh, a lot of sports bars like to show Premier League, and a lot of that's on Peacock. So things like that yep. will help the Olympics and so forth. Okay, so we've talked too much about television. Uh, where do we want to go next? I think we need to talk about the contract extension or the the option being picked up 
Oh, <laughs> oh. So I, I just we, we had the uh, the release today from Chip Ganassi Racing that Alex Pillow and his option has been picked up for 2023. And I had some opinions on that, and I think that was telling us something from what I've been hearing. So we're going to do this on the fly because I just got a couple of tweets that, hey, you need to check Alex Pillow's Twitter. This came out five minutes ago. I have recently learned from the media that this afternoon, without my approval, Chip Ganassi Racing issued a press release announcing that I would be driving with CGR in 2023. Even more surprising was that CGR's release included a quote, which did not come from me. Get your popcorn out, everybody. You know how I said 2024 was starting? And you know how I said keep an eye on Alex Pillow? I'm not the only one that said these kind of things. Um, but I've been doing a lot of reading between the lines and in everything that's going on. And basically, everybody's playing hardball at this point. I need to see part two because that was one of two. I need to go just directly to Alex's. Uh, yeah, I, I just went to Alex's, and you just okay, read here's the uh, what is part one. Part part two is I did not approve that press release, and I did not author or approve that quote. And uh, and I have recently informed CGR for personal reasons I do not intend to continue with the team after 2022. This evening's unfortunate events aside, I have great respect for the CGR team and look forward to finishing the season strongly together. And by the way, uh, perfect for the news ferry that uh, often accompanies and supports Trackside. Uh, this came at 7.14 p.m. Eastern time, which is uh, 14 minutes into the show. Perfect. We haven't had breaking and news quite like this. Oh, we're not done. We are just getting started because my man Joe Berkmeyer just tweeted me that Adam Stern, a Stern bomb is out. And um, I know some people said that he was definitely going to be back. And I, I believe I said and others said, let's keep an eye on this. Let's just keep an eye on this. And I think they're going to make another run. Apparently, another run has been made. Adam Stern. McLaren says Alex Pillow is joining its team in 2023. This is a screenshot, so I don't see the press release uh, like on McLaren letterhead. So you dig on that. You, you find that while I'm reading this because Adam Stern, he doesn't mess around. He's not wrong and he's not irresponsible. McLaren Racing has signed champion driver Alex Pillow to race for McLaren Racing starting in 2023. Alongside his racing duties next year, Pillow will also test with the McLaren F1 team as part of its 2021 F1 car testing program with fellow drivers Pato Award and Colton Herta, which Herta, by the way, I'll add, did yesterday and today. Pillow, 25 years, years old from Barcelona. Uh, that's just, you don't need anything else there. Pillow will join McLaren following the conclusion of his 2022 IndyCar season. McLaren Racing will confirm its full driver lineups across all of its racing series in due course. Okay. Yeah. So one of the so things. We have things to talk about. So one of the things I've been hearing in the last few weeks was that Pillow wanted to go approached the team about it, was rebuffed, didn't go well, and then it was sort of, this is second and third hand, but with this information, I feel compelled to share this story now. 
right or wrong. Um, but one of the theories was, was told, and Alex was not my source on this, uh, was told, we were going to work on a long-term extension for you. Bleep you. We're holding you to your rookie contract well below what a champion should be earning. Good luck to you in the future. You're driving for scale, for lack of a better term. You're driving for what you agreed on when you had nowhere to go in 2023. And with that information is why I've kind of been saying, hey, whatever happens next year is a one-year stopgap because somebody's going to McLaren in 2024. Now, what I thought might happen, and, and by the way, what I've just said doesn't mean it's done yet. We've yet to hear from Chip Ganassi Racing because this may be going to court. Um I got to believe Ganassi's got to agree to a buyout or they can hold him to the contract. And then it's going to be a decision. Do we want a very unhappy driver in our car that's leaving, joining another team? They might just sit him next year and not allow him to drive for anyone. This, this could get incredibly ugly into the fact that Ganassi racing released the announcement today. And it's come to this four hours later meant that it's been ugly for a while. Oh boy! <laughs> and it uh, while we were talking again, breaking news. We need the ABC breaking news uh, soundbite. But uh, on seven nineteen p.m., it hit my inbox. The Formula One or the McLaren uh, release officially announcing Alex Pillow for twenty twenty three. So uh, okay, that that's was what the Adam screenshot. was screenshotting. Yeah, which I knew that had to be McLaren's release because they used a lot of English spelling uh, as opposed <laughs> to the way things are spelled in, in the U.S. But uh, 7.19 p.m. comes the press release uh, from McLaren. So they have confirmed uh, their end of the deal. That doesn't mean it's the final final answer here. But, uh, well, it's a good thing we weren't at commercial break. Well, and it's a good thing we didn't tape the show tonight. It's why I always say I really don't want to tape the show. I don't like taping the show in case something happens. I know podcasts are taped, but that's the advantage that we have, that we're still a radio show that is turned into a podcast. All right, I'm, I'm getting more, and I'm struggling. Uh, this is apparently news to Chip Ganassi. <laughs> that's what Jenna Fryer tweets. Um, yeah, this, oh, this is going to be war. And I don't think they were happy with each other to begin with. You know, remember they took Felix Rosenquist. They made a run at Scott Dixon. They still may be making a run at Scott Dixon just because they've signed Alex below. Doesn't mean they're not going after Dixon again in 2024. So, by the way, for the for the record, there is an Alex Pillow quote in the McLaren release, and I suspect Alex Pillow supports that 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 quote, which is why he said I didn't say what they've said in the uh, Ganassi release. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, let's let this air out for a moment, and we'll get into it and what this means uh, moving forward for a lot of different people. And your thoughts, questions, comments are welcome at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. So according to McLaren, Alex Pillow is coming as the driver of their third car to join Alexander Rossi and Patu Award 
in 2023. That means Felix Rosenquist would be heading to uh, Formula E unless they decide to roll out a fourth car. And I wouldn't put that past them in 2024. I don't think that's going to happen next year, but I'll just throw this out there now. If they can get Scott Dixon in 2024, if he's still on top of his game, I bet they run a fourth car for him. <laughs> so there you go. We'll come back with more in a moment on Trackside. This is Alex Palo, and you're listening to Trackside. <laughs> Who said Sam Rumson doesn't have a sense of humor? Alex, the news fairy is delivered on show night. We thank you. We thank Zach Brown. We thank Chip Ganassi Racing for not delivering this on Wednesday. I would have had to unveil a brand new podcast to debut on Thursday had this news had come out on Wednesday. Um, so luckily we don't have to do that this week, and I'll save that for next week. But if you're just joining us, so... Earlier today, Chip Ganassi Racing announced that they had exercised the option for 2023 on Alex Pillow, and he would be returning. And just getting back to this a little more, and the reason why I thought, yeah, that's going to be the last year, because one would think with the reigning champion who's having a, a good follow-up season, the idea would be, no, no, we don't want to announce – picking up the option we want to announce an extension a new contract something like what mclaren did with pato award so the fact that this was announced it didn't tell me a hundred percent i'm not going to tell you i knew he was 100 percent gone but combined with the other things that i've been hearing and the stories of acrimony yeah i felt pretty certain it was going there but i didn't think it'd get resolved this quickly but it's not resolved so then at 7 15 or so tonight alex pillow tweets basically hey they sent out a release without my knowledge and those quotes weren't from me they made them up and at the same time mclaren sends out a release saying that mclaren assigned Champion driver Alex Pillow to race for McLaren Racing starting in 2023. And now we get into the fine details. And, and I said right before the last break, okay, this tells us that Felix Rosenquist is moving over and that the IndyCar lineup is Alex Pillow and Pato Award and Alexander Rossi. And then immediately when we went to break, I said, well, wait a minute. No, I don't know that that's true either. And then I read that statement again. Read that statement again. And I think, Kurt, a lot still is to be determined, and there are a few different options available in all of this, which still include Felix Rosenquist driving an IndyCar next year. So I think, and and you and I have had a chance to catch our breath and, and uh, think this through a bit, I think the first thing it says is, since it doesn't specify what Alex Pillow's racing duties are for 2023, you know, is it, is it likely that it's vague because it depends on the response from Chip Ganassi Racing? If they don't release him, if there's a court fight over this, which it seems unlikely, but I suppose anything is possible. Is there a settlement? You know, so I think, you know, very much like 
like uh, Felix Rosenquist's situation relative to Formula E versus IndyCar, I think this is still probably 30 days, 45 days from being 100% resolved on on a, on a lineup. Although our show goes till 9 o'clock, so there still could be some updates. <laughs> oh, I think we're going to hear from Chip Ganassi. And Jenna Fryer was the first to tweet uh, about this is news to Chip Ganassi. She's tight with Chip. Uh, I believe I've seen her daughter interning with Chip's team. So there are some connections there that she's going to get an answer uh, pretty soon as well. So it's vague. And also note that it does not say Errol McLaren SP anywhere in this release. It says McLaren Racing. And it says that alongside his racing duties next year, you know, because the, the first thought was, well, wait a minute, maybe they're signing him in Formula One to replace Ricardo. And, you know, I immediately dismissed that because one, I doubt that he can get the super license points that he needs. He's maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know where he stands on that. I also think you know, getting back to Colton Herta being short. I think if they want to get someone enough super license points, somebody will figure it out. There, there are ways to kind of get around that uh, potentially. Um, but going straight to Formula One doesn't seem to make sense to me. I think they are going to be using Formula One testing and down the road as a way to dangle things um, to, to, strengthen their IndyCar program. Uh, it says he will test the McLaren with the McLaren F1 team as part of the last year's car program, like Colton did today. Doesn't say what else he'll be driving. So as you said, I think what it comes down to now, like I said in the last hour, wait a minute, if <laughs> Paul Tracy is calling, so I need to, Paul doesn't know what time our show is. Um, if they need to get a release from Chip Ganassi, they need to work out a buyout. And if Chip says no, there's no amount of money, or they cannot agree on that amount of money, as I said before, he may not be able to drive an IndyCar next year. So, just thinking out loud, that's why it's vague like this, along with his racing duties. What are his racing duties? They might be Formula E. Maybe he's the Formula E driver for 2023, and then he and Felix swap for 2024 because while chip ganassi might have him under contract for indycar eh, there's probably a good chance he does not hold the rights to keep him from driving in another series and i would imagine mclaren knows that whether they have the right to stop him from driving something else so worst case scenario he does formula e does formula one testing maybe he can even test an indycar with them as well maybe something else for him to do in the short term i believe are they talking about a sports car program for next year or is that 2024 but there are a lot of options out there for him worst case scenario what they're hoping is that as angry as chip ganassi is and as i said last week i'm not sure that he was going to be inclined for a buyout because he just collected many millions of dollars from justin marks and his partners for the the cup team last year but he still may decide, you know what, I don't know what the number like this would be because this is kind of unprecedented. Is this a half a million? Is it two million? Is it four million? But if you start getting in the millions, no matter how many millions you have, you'd probably like to have more. And he might just say, you know what, the guy got me a championship. I'm not happy with how this went down. Uh, and I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to take it to the bank. 
So the only thing I would add in what you uh, laid out is I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe winning the IndyCar championship will, will get him enough points. He had to, there's a period at which I think that gets him uh, 40, 40 super license points. So I think he would be eligible. Ooh. Now, I don't think he's in Formula One in 2023, but I, I do think he's eligible based on, you know, what he gained in okay. in his first year of, of IndyCar, pl- first couple years, plus plus the uh, super formula. I think he's good, is my point. That makes sense. It still would be surprising for him to go straight to Formula One because they're likely not going to be able to get him in a car until whenever the contract ends. Is that September 15th? Is it October 1st? Is it December 31st? That's a real problem if it's December 31st. Because yeah. if they're playing hardball, Chip is going to hold him to that, and he's not going to be able to drive a car um, for that team. But it's not an Indy car, so I don't know. I would think within the season, Chip has the right to say whether you can drive a sports car. Whatever you do, I would think requires his approval. So while I already said he should be able to drive in another series next year, if he's under contract with Chip Ganassi Racing, he might not be able to. And that's one that we can't answer. It just depends on the strength of the contract, how good the agent was, um, and how concerned they were looking for. And if it does have enough outs, good on them, because the general approach would be Remember, at the end of 2020, Alex Pillow was honest when he said, I don't know if I'm going to be back next year. I don't know what I have. I don't know if my level of support is going to be the same. I'm hoping I have something, but I don't know. And then you get this opportunity with Ganassi. Most people would just basically say, where do I sign? So I don't know whether he did that or whether he said, no, I want to, I want to make sure I'm taken care of. Takes the savvy person representing you to make sure that gets done. So are you ready to say who drives the 10 car in 2023? Is it too early? <laughs> too soon? No, we need to do that. I need to think on it because I haven't even <laughs> given that a single thought because, Hey, how about this? We were struggling. I was already tonight to tell you that Felix Rosenquist is going to be in the third McLaren car. There is no other option that I think to take for a variety of reasons, including I don't think anyone would want to go there because it's going to be a one-year guarantee, basically. Because if they couldn't get Alex Pillow for 23, they were holding the seat for him or Dixon or Colton Herta in 2024. So this is what I was prepared to talk about tonight is who is the stopgap for 2023? What they needed was Ryan Hunter Ray, someone who was going to be satisfied with a one-year situation, but I don't think Ryan Hunter Ray would have been an option because he's under contract with Ganassi and or Cadillac to do exactly what I don't know. I don't know if it's an endurance driver in sports cars. If that's it, he could probably get out, or because they're going to have a WEC program and an IMSA program. Was it to be one of the regular IMSA drivers and did it also include a real strong assurance of the Indy 500? You remember how Tony Kanaan was quite uh, – I've never even gotten to this yet. 
one of the reasons why Tony Kanaan was likely so uncertain about his future was even after finishing third is because we kind of saw the writing on the wall. If it didn't go well for TK this year, my guess, and this is only a guess, was the plan was to slip Ryan Hunter Ray in that extra car for the 500 for next year. Now things may have changed. And I think Jimmy Johnson would have something to say about that as well um, with the partnership that he brings from American Legion, potentially for Carvana and, and those people all like TK as well. So, so I'm looking at who, who could be the short option. And beyond that, if they found they can't find anyone for Formula E and we must take Felix Rosenquist there, I was starting to think that Linus Lundquist might have a chance, that he would say, I'll gamble for you. I'll take my million-dollar Indy Light scholarship. I'll go here. Even if they do boot me after one year for Alex Pillow, if I have a good year, I'm going to land somewhere else, or maybe they add an extra car for me. And all that maybe is still in play if Alex Pillow is not allowed to drive. They still may need a stopgap for next year if Pillow is not allowed to drive either an Indy car or Formula E. So coming up, let's start talking about the 10 car uh, because I do think that's the one thing we can say now. We don't know where Alex Pillow is going to drive, but I do believe there is no chance that Alex Pillow is driving the 10 car. I'm He's either going to drives. I'm not sure he finishes the season, honestly. No, I'm kidding. But, but you know, we've seen stranger things. Yeah. I, I had to tell yeah. Thomas Schechter he was not going to drive uh, at Gateway for Eddie Cheever that day. And uh, so we have seen stranger things. Well, we've seen similarly strange things, <laughs> maybe not stranger than tonight. Uh, and I hey. have some thoughts on the 10 car already. So, Well, you know what? They do have someone that could drive that car. If this really gets ugly, you might see Ryan hunter Ray in that car really, really soon. Or you might see yeah, Sebastian Bourdais in that car really soon. Um, I think I, I know Sebastian is over 40 now and he hasn't driven IndyCar this year, but I know a lot of us would still like to see not on a one-off. He needs three, four, five races at least. What would Sebastian Bourdais do in a championship level car? He's been in some pretty decent cars, the coin cars. They did, they did great work for him and he won races, but he has not been in a championship level car since the last years of champ car Bourdais could probably still be a top five runner in a Ganassi car. Oh boy. Oh, it's getting good. All right. Stay with us. It's track side. I'm Ryan Hunter and this is track side with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee. So, According to McLaren, Alex Pillow is moving to their program in 2023. Seat, somewhat vague, to be determined. Who would drive the number 10 car in 2023? Best guesses right off the bat 20 minutes after the news breaks. Kurt Cabin. I'm going to go with uh, David Malukas. How's that for way out of field. I think Kalamila makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think uh, Malukas is going to have budget, and I think that program uh, would would appreciate some budget. Um, you also would want to look at, you know, where does Renus VK fit into this? I just I don't see that as a, a chip guy. I could be wrong. Uh, but I'm going to go with, I mean, between Eilat and Malukas, I'm going to say it's Malukas. 
So I think that would depend on what the contract is with Dale Coyne Racing. Because remember, and Townsend asked me last week or two weeks ago, you know, when we were talking about silly season, why we don't mention Malukas. And I said, because I, th- I think he's set. He's locked in to return. It's not, he's not just a driver. His dad is the co-owner of the team. So there are more dynamics involved in this. And this is part of a long-term plan. And they have an Indy Lights program that's associated with Dale Coyne Racing. So it's not so simple. And I got to think that Dale Coyne has the option on him and on Henry Malukas as a partner with the team for 2023. If not, then I, I do believe that is a possibility. You know, Renus VK, uh, my thought on him was I, I thought what's best for Renus is he should, well, one, continue to do things like finish fourth and make sure he has a seat with Ed Carpenter Racing next year, and then sign a one-year contract, uh, because I thought going to Ganassi to replace Alex Pillow in 2024 would make sense, because you know my thinking, again, until a half hour ago, was that Pillow would do one more year with Ganassi, and then he'd be gone, and that seat would be open, and after one more year, I would have thought that VK would have a real good chance of moving forward. I... One, didn't think McLaren was going to make him the offer for 23. And two, I'm not sure if that'd be the best situation. Not everyone can drive their car. Um, remember, Oliver Askew struggled in, in their car. A lot of people have struggled in their car, including Felix Rosenquist. Namely, only Pato Award has been able to drive their car. And there's still, you know, 10 or 15% of the time where he really struggles with that car. It's a big wild card. You could be a one and done there. I thought he was better off where he is. I think he would get a look. I think he'd get a consideration, but man, I just don't have an easy answer for who could be in that seat next year. It could be a stopgap like a Ryan Hunter Ray because we don't, most of the free agents have already been signed. You know, if this would have happened a while ago, if they knew this was coming, Alexander Rossi might be in that seat. And then he can stay with Honda, which I suspect he would have liked to have done, but the offer was too good with McLaren. And also to, uh, I'm going to guess he's teamed up with Craig Hampson next year as his engineer. Callum Ila, you said, I think that makes some sense. I think that's along the lines with, they'll take a chance. It doesn't have to be someone with huge pedigree that's already a champion. They, I'm sure, pride themselves in we can spot talent and we can make a champion like they did with Alex Pillow. People see that. They gave Ed Jones a chance. There have been other drivers, but those are the two that most find Felix Rosenquist. That's another one. We all thought Felix was going to be good, but it's not like he had, in America, huge pedigree. Yeah. I'd I'd keep a a good eye on Callum Eilat if he's not already locked in, and he might be. He might already have have signed his option for next year, or it's maybe already been picked up to stay with Hunkos Hollinger, and then that team might be going to work on a buyout of his contract. So keep in mind also that Ganassi is is pretty global in his search, and so it Mm -hmm. may not be a driver in this series. And uh, I had another thought. I mean, I don't think – it would be uh, Linus Lundquist, but 
you know, you, you wouldn't rule it out. Let's put it that way. I think it'd be pretty low on the depth chart, but I don't, and no disrespect to, to Linus, it just hasn't been in the IndyCar yet, but we don't know what, you know, he's the most uh, ready, ready plug and play from the Indy Light series, it would seem. But again, I, I don't have that very high on the list. And think about this with everybody signing so early. If Kyle Kirkwood were not signed, sealed, and delivered with Ganassi, or with, with, with Andretti, Freudian slip, I think he'd be in their seat next year. I think Kyle Kirkwood, you know, this is this is a young man that's had what one finish better than 16th or 17th all year. But yet, as I talk to people, I've heard no one. And these are people that matter, whose opinions matter more than my opinion matters by a lot. No one has wavered at all on what they think is going to happen for Kyle Kirkwood down the road. The consensus is still the same. Yeah, he's made some mistakes, um, but he is special. And, and when you're driving in a situation where you know, there's not a lot of room for error. And I would also go back and let's look at that first year for Joseph Newgarden. I bet the finishing results are very, very similar. And uh, Wink Hartman and Sarah Fisher gave Joseph some room to grow. And he had a rough couple of seasons. But then soon after, he was winning races with that team. And then he gets the Penske offer. You know, not saying it's going to go the exactly the same, but I don't think anyone has changed their opinion on what Kyle Kirkwood will be. And he'd be in the mix, but he's not. I'm sure he cannot get out of that contract, and he probably wouldn't want to try to get out of that contract. It's likely a, a pretty good one. But, boy, it's fascinating. All right, we'll continue this discussion and much more. We still need to get to the Andretti situation as well. That's lingering. We'll get back to uh, Alex Pillow, to McLaren, apparently, in 2023. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. This is Alex Pillow, and you're listening to Trackside. It's really handy that we didn't have Alex mention which team he drives for, so that still works moving forward. Welcome, hour number two, Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Sam Rumsa is in the drivehubler.com, MS Communications Worldwide Headquarters. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan. And, Kurt, it is time for the Circle City Speed Speedrome.com news of the day. Yeah, I can't even. Uh, I'm so excited about the news of the day. We'll get to the sponsor of the of the mention this week in Indianapolis. The racing in the city is focused on the quarter mile dirt oval at the Marion County Fairgrounds, and that is Circle City Raceway this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Indy's newest racetrack is hosting the first ever Circle City Spectacular, presented by Maston and Kane Warehousing and Services, with three nights of full racing action. On Friday night, starts a two-day special for the Indiana Race Saver Wing Spring 305 Sprint Cars running in the inaugural Crossroads Classic, plus the All-Star Circuit of Champions, TQ Midgets and Legends. Saturday night, add in the Shirley Unlimited Snow Company and UMP Modifieds running night one of a doubleheader weekend, plus the finale for the Indiana Race Saver Sprints, TQs, and Legends with Hornets joining the fray. A lot, uh, lot to chew on there at CircleCityRaceway.com. So news of the day, we often pick out a new topic, and we generally try to keep things moving 
Uh, but this is a unique circumstance with news breaking 15 minutes after we go on. So let's recap the day. 3.35 in the email inbox. Chip Ganassi Racing announced today that the team has exercised its option to extend Alex Pillow through the 2023 season. It includes a quote from Pillow. It's a great feeling knowing I'll be back with Chip Ganassi Racing next season. The team welcomed me with open arms from the day one, and I'm excited to continue working with Chip, Michael, the folks on the number 10 NTT Data Honda, and everyone within the organization. The goals remain the same, and we will continue to work relentlessly towards achieving them. Tonight, shortly after 7 o'clock, Alex Pillow tweets, I did not approve that press release. I did not author or approve that quote. As I have recently informed CGR for personal reasons, I do not intend to continue with the team after 2022. And then this evening at 7.18, McLaren releases uh, into our inbox. McLaren Racing has signed champion driver Alex Pillow to race for McLaren Racing starting in 2023. But it doesn't say exactly where other than he will test the previous year's version Formula One car alongside Pato Award and Colton Herta. That's the news of the day. So Sunday night at Circle City Raceway, the three-night finale brings the dirt late models of the Indiana late model series, plus modified super stocks and micros racing on the lightning fast quarter mile dirt oval. Circle City Raceway is family friendly racing action, great food, free parking and outrageous fun on Indy's southeast side. Adult tickets for each of the three days are only $10 per day. Kids eight and under are free. More info, all the info at CircleCityRaceway.com. Nick sends this in via Twitter. Okay, seriously, how and why did CGR send this out today? He's just tuning in. This is all going to be guesstimates, but it's it's playing hardball. Well, I think it was the uh, it was the shot across the bow before the other shoe fell. I think I think there was a sense that McLaren was going to announce something. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's that's the only thing that makes sense other than. Um, CGR exercised its option and and was going to make a take the flag and plant it in the in the public and say, look, this is what we've done. We've exercised his option. He's going to drive for us. Now, the quote from Alex uh, was a little bit, uh, you know, ill advised, I guess you might say. But um, and then McLaren, I think at that point was uh, committed to announcing its deal. And that's what I don't know, whether whether the McLaren news was coming or, or they maybe the news wasn't coming, but Ganassi may have learned, hey, he signed. Because I, I doubt that he signed between 335 and 715 tonight. Agree with that? Well, yes, but but why would they include a quote that said he was, you know, I'm excited to come back? That's the, that's the element in the Ganassi release that that. I just don't understand. Yeah. Now, I also think there are an awful lot of athletes and executives that are quoted in releases when they don't actually say it. Quotes are written for executives all of the time, but it's with the understanding is they're going to be fine with it. So my point was, if the Ganassi organization knew that Alex had signed with McLaren, yeah. I don't know why they would have included that quote because I could True. see them just coming out and saying we've exercised the option and that would be factual. That would be factual. 
but mm-hmm. to include the quote tells me there was a, a true disconnect somewhere. Mm. So the first thought would be, all right, McLaren got uh, that the Ganassi got wind that this is done. That it's going to be announced soon. We want to beat them to it. We want to uh, be on the offensive rather than reactionary. And the other side of that is McLaren was working towards this. This came out. And maybe, maybe it wasn't. I, I still find it hard to believe that between 335 and 17, Polo agreed to terms and signed. It doesn't say agreed to terms. It says signed. So it likely was already signed. You know, the first thought is Polo is so angry that they sent this out without his permission uh, that he just said, screw it. I'll deal with the repercussions later, whether I get the drive or not. I know I'm going to make more money next year, no matter what I do, because the the, the salary increase, I'm going to guess is three to four to six times what he stood to make next year in the final year of that original contract with Ganassi. So he may have just said that we're doing it. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think his, his uh, earning potential in 2023 alone was enough to do it. And then I, you know, it is possible that with that release, Polo said, let's go. I, I didn't say that. I didn't approve that. Let's go, McLaren. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's possible. Yeah, and and, and the, the plan may have been, because this is kind of what I was thinking about the last couple of weeks, is that there was going to be another run made at him at the end of the year, and that's why it has been said that we're not going to know what Felix is doing until late August, September, or something along those lines. And once this came out, he decided, nope, I am... When I asked Alex at Mid-Ohio, I said uh, Chip was quoted as saying it's status quo next year, and I should have had the tape recorder rolling. But he basically said, with kind of a smirk, um, whatever Chip says. And, you know, that that was another indication that told me all is not hunky-dory here right now. And Alex is smart enough to uh, make sure that he's doing what he needs to do and probably didn't have anything fully finalized, and now he does, and here we go. So we next wait to see a response from Chip Ganassi Racing, and I don't think that can come in the next 10 minutes, unless, well, I guess it could. If indeed Chip Ganassi knew that McLaren had already signed him and was going on the offensive, then they should have had their lawyers already preparing what's next. Now, they may not tell us what their plan is next, but I would think if that was the case, they already have a plan, which is why they announced it. So if the McLaren announcement was in reaction to Ganassi, then it's going to take Ganassi some time to figure out what their move is. Is it going to be worth it to lawyer up and to fight this? Do we worry about negative reaction towards a pretty likable driver if we keep him on the sidelines next year? Who who are you worried about that from the standpoint that McLaren would if be? You're, would would um, Ganassi be worried about 
uh, stopping, keeping a popular no. driver? Probably not. Because they're going to no, say, I well, think we, we, we signed you to a contract. We were going to pay you, uh, even if it didn't go well. And if you didn't want to sign contracts with options, then you shouldn't have signed contracts with options. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think as I stew on this over the and it's in one respect uh, it's it's uh, interesting and exciting to be talking about live news as it's unfolding, but I also have had just a minute to think about it, and I think where I'm settling is that Ganassi was on the offensive to say we picked up the option, and then Polo uh, said screw it, let's sign this deal, and. McLaren announced it because remember, by the way, it comes out at seven fifteen. It's not exactly McLaren time. McLaren time zone is is midnight one o'clock at this point, so it's it doesn't exactly fit with McLaren's release timeline. That usually comes in the morning when it's midday in in England. So true. It doesn't it doesn't exactly fit the McLaren way, if you will. So then McLaren announces this and. Again, I go back to the Ganassi having the quote from Polo. That tells me they weren't, they didn't think it was signed. Uh, they might have thought this is where it's headed, and we want to get out front from a negotiation standpoint. But I think Ganassi thought there was negotiations or at least a, a buyout conversation to come. Or, or some, he's just, the other thing you said is is the NASCAR program uh, funneling this cash infusion into the. Ganassi uh, Racing Checking Book. I, I think. Uh, no, I, think I said that, they funneled into Chip's pocketbook. I don't well, know if they went to the racing. <laughs> yeah. Well, into Chip's. It's the yeah. same thing. Uh, but uh, I think, I think that makes him a little. What I mean by that is, I think that makes Chip all the more defiant in saying, "Look, it's not about the money. I, yeah, I'm going on principle. I had the option. I'm sticking to it. I think he will stick to it too. Yeah." I agree with that. Uh, he doesn't need the money as much, but uh, it's. I don't think just because he collected a lot of money selling the NASCAR team that all of a sudden that there's an infusion of cash to the other programs. Chip's a smart businessman. No, no, I didn't. And they, they run in, you know, the IndyCar program runs on what the IndyCar program can raise. And if they can't raise the money, then they make cuts. They cut cars, they cut people. What is that's the way the smart people do it? But yes, to that point, yes. Chip does not need to pocket the extra money. Um, but that said, most people don't turn down free money. So that's a decision that will have to be made and what the principle on this is worth to him if he feels he is very much in the right. I think it'll be a, a large number. Let's put it that way. I don't think this is going away quietly. That's my point. And if you're Chip Ganassi, you throw out obscene numbers because you know what their budget is in Formula One. We've heard some of the numbers. Maybe not everyone has, but we've heard some of the numbers. And, and a uh, driver manager mentioned this to me the other day. McLaren is the best thing that's happened to the IndyCar driver market. And he didn't say this. I'll say it this way, but he said in a long time. I'm going to say since tobacco money. That's the last time that there was a lot of money in motorsport. Because what's happening now is there is someone that's willing to go above that threshold. The top salary level in IndyCar has been the same 
I'm going to say since Paul Tracy's last contract. And I know exactly what Paul Tracy was making because he's told me and he's told other people, and it's more than anyone else is making now. And those salaries went away. Uh, and when Michael Andretti retired and the other stars from the 2000s. So since that time, top salaries have been in the three to four million range, and they really haven't gone up since then. McLaren is willing to go above that for certain people. So this is good for everyone in that world. Uh, agreed, except I'm not sure they're, that's going to you know, impact the driver market that much. There's still only going to be McLaren money, and I don't see chip budget you know, going to McLaren's level just to keep up. You know what I mean? Chip will say, yeah, no, I've got. I, I, I've got my numbers. But, yeah. What's that? Oh, Chip will say, no, I, I've got think, my numbers. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It, it's going to be beneficial for three drivers, potentially. Not that they're going to pay all three the same, um, but there is the ability there when they see someone they really like that they'll go above and beyond. But what that means is we've kind of had one or two drivers making that top threshold. Now I think you have the ability for five, two or three from that team, top driver at Ganassi, maybe the top driver at Andretti, maybe the top driver at Penske, you know, maybe maybe somewhere else. So yeah, it's not going to be like stick and ball sports as far as salaries and competition. But from that standpoint, if that matters, that's one of the the byproducts of this. Uh, Some, some, Tweets, Joseph mixed up. When's the last time the lawyers really got involved in IndyCar? The 2002 500, question mark? Yeah, probably. I don't know that I can come up with another one off the top of my head, but uh, that's a good one. Rick Jacobs said, box this lap two times. At least they followed the rules and did it on a Tuesday for the show. By the way, next week's show's on Wednesday. So if anyone else is um, announcing a signing and a hiring and a firing or whatever, save it for Wednesday next week. Um, All-Star Game is next Tuesday night, airing here live on the radio. So we'll be here on Wednesday. The Cincy Buckeye says that whole Kyle Thanksgiving dinner should be fun. Mike Hall, the managing director of Chip Ganassi Racing, and Taylor Kyle, his uh, stepson, is the team president of Aaron McLaren. No, it will be fine because I, I can say this with pretty good authority. This is Zach Brown, Taylor Kyle. Uh, This is not to say he's not involved, but he's not involved in this one. No, 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 he's not not involved. He doesn't have any say one one way or the other. (laughs) Here's your driver. You, you take care of things. And he and Mike Hull are, are uh, pros. I mean, they're, you know, they're family first, but, uh, and, and the other thing is, uh, Mike Hall would have ha- obviously had huge influence on how this this meanders from this point forward. This story meanders, but it's in it's in the hands of Zach Brown and Chip Ganassi at this point. Jeremy from Harrisburg says, "Will Chip be more angry about potentially losing a great driver or to be spending money on lawyers?" Uh, seeing the lizards. If the 10 is open for 2023, doesn't that blow the whole driver market open again? It does. And if anyone that's agreed to a contract hasn't signed it yet, um, remember how Ed Jones ended up with Ganassi? I think Dale Coyne felt like he had committed to his team, but he hadn't signed the contract yet. 
And yep. I don't know whether that was Ed Jones slow dancing that or more likely Dale hadn't gotten around to sending him the contract and had used that in his favor. So, you know, people are asking, hey, did Kirkwood actually sign that deal with Andretti? I'm sure he did. But if somebody didn't, then here we go. And the Ganassi camp is probably asking those questions. All right, if they want to buy out our guy, can we buy out somebody else's guy? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. I, I think Ganassi, you know, I don't think there's any secret here. They're going to they're gonna evaluate the best driver that they would, you know, they have a short list of who they'd like to have, whether he's employed as a contract or otherwise. And you work backwards from there. For the love of Indy says, super license points are good for three years. Palo has 15 from third and super formula in 19, zero for 20 and 40 for 21. So as you mentioned earlier, he's good for next year. If indeed that were the plan, highly, highly doubt that it is. You know, Colton Herta tested and who knows how well it went. Nobody gives a, a real good um, sense of that. They, they have positive comments, but nobody else is on track. You know, I'm sure they can extrapolate the data and have a good idea. So he tested last year's car uh, the last couple of days. I'd still be surprised if he's the plan for McLaren in 23. I think it's Ricardo or someone else in the Formula One world. I think Colton could potentially be an option for 24. I'd be surprised if they're taking him there, even if he forgetting about the super license points. I know Colton is going to come up short unless he finishes, I think, third in the IndyCar championship this year. Then he can do a couple of um, free practice one and get to the 40 points. But regardless of points, my opinion is I'd be a little bit surprised unless he wowed him. And he's going to get another chance at some point. If he does, maybe, because I think Ricardo is on pretty shaky ground on that front. And then we get to the Andretti situation where – you know, here's another one of your drivers that you don't know what the long-term future is. Is is McLaren going to be trying to take him in 2024? And then the parallel. You've got a lame duck driver in Rossi with Andretti. You've got now a lame duck driver the rest of the season with Alex Pillow. Even now, you know, it was unprecedented for Rossi, everyone knowing in February that he was leaving an official in April or May, and it's still July. We're just barely past the halfway point of the season. This is still super early knowing someone is not coming back in a championship contending team. So I just it just kind of occurred to me that the person or people happiest to watch this Pillow thing play out is those that work for Andretti Autosport and who own the team because <laughs> you're like, we would call in the newspaper business, that's like page two. Because you're not talking about this till after the first commercial break come uh, come Sunday during the race. So it's uh, well, actually no commercial breaks, I guess. We've talked about that at the top of the hour, last hour, if you missed that, uh, on Peacock. But I would also say that, you know, you're going to see, apparently, Pato Award, Colton Herta, and Alex Pillow test Formula One cars. We're, we're under the assumption that, Colton Hurt is the leader in the clubhouse. Why wouldn't Alex Pillow be leader in the clubhouse? He might he might have as good a Formula One aspirations and opportunity to to show his worth. He 
you might argue mm-hmm. that he's more race ready right now than Colton Herta. And I mean, just throwing it out there, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would commit 100% that, that uh, Colton Herta is the favorite among the three IndyCar drivers. And by the way, what if they're still going after Scott Dixon in IndyCar? Then Alex Pillow does either one year in IndyCar if they can work out an agreement for him to drive or is just testing in Formula One next year and going in 2024. And then Felix Rosenquist drives the car next year, the third car with Rossi and Pato. And then they go after Scott Dixon and continue their war with Chip Ganassi Racing. You know, that's one of those that I'll still, it's one thing for Alex Pillow to leave because Alex Pillow for his production, uh, and I'm not, he was underpaid, but he wasn't underpaid. Does that make sense? Because he had proven nothing when Ganassi signed him. And that's the way it goes in any sport. You sign a low scale rookie contract, you have success. You usually have to wait a couple of more years before you cash in. So the team signs you to a longer-term contract in the beginning, and if you totally stink, you might still collect when you're not deserving, but if you're good, then you're working on the cheap for a while, and, and then you cash in after that. So, yes, underpaid for the market, but not unfairly underpaid by the no, team I, because I, they're I taking agree. a risk too. I, and I also would suspect that uh... – you know, I don't. I haven't seen the contract, so let's let's be clear about that. But I would also say that after you win a, a championship, as Alex Pelot did, if you're the team owner, yes, you can stick to the contract that was offered initially, and you were maybe overpaying in year one, and then he wins the championship. But you have the opportunity, if you want to make this good with that championship winning driver to at that point tear up the contract and do a new one after you win the championship. And we mm-hmm. have seen that in other sports that if somebody was dramatically underpaid, I can't give you an example at the moment, but it, it they exist where the contract is redone the next year, you know, if they have a spectacular breakout season. So, or they get their contract a year early as we often see in the NFL. Uh, you know, we have all kinds of examples where, where a drive, you know, right now in the Colts situation, you're talking about Quentin Nelson. He's looking for a new contract, but he's two years out before his contract is up. If he was one year out from his contract, I think the Colts at this point would have that contract torn up and, and they would have done a new contract a year out. Now he's two years out. That makes a little more of a, of a trend you don't want to establish within the, within the sport and within your organization. But, you know, the point is that, you know, Ganassi could have kind of appeased Alex. If Alex felt underpaid last this year, he could have done something about it at the during the offseason after he won a series championship. But if Zach Brown was in his ear saying, do not sign for this, then, you know, they could make the offer. But if he's saying, I'm not signing. True, true. For, you know, I want 125% of what Scott Dixon is making because they're offering me that and more then it's all right we're going to play out the option and then i'm going to be a free agent and then it all comes to a head just like this i got a couple more thoughts on the andretti situation i want to get to we're going to try to touch on some other topics as well and cover as much ground as we can in the final 30 minutes or so tonight at trackside hi this is colton herda and you're listening to trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan 
Oh, not enough time. Not enough time. So a couple of thoughts that I... And Kurt said, hey, Andretti's enjoying this. They got shoved to the back burner. Yeah, that would have been segment one. Now it's towards the end of the show. So one thing I wanted to expand on a little bit last week, uh, Kurt, was, you know, when we talked about the, the wild scenario that people had asked, and, and I'd kind of asked myself quietly, too, hey, if something like this happens again, like what happened at Mid-Ohio might they just go ahead and say, Alex, you can move on right now? So one thing in that, it, I wasn't, and it's not because anybody pushed back or anyone from Andretti said anything. They did, and they've got bigger things to worry about than, than what I say at this point. But I just thought about it a little bit more. Um, that would only be if something really, really bad happened again, which I doubt does. But if it did, you couldn't rule things out. And I wasn't, also, I wanted to point out, I wasn't singling out that Rossi is more to blame because I don't know what's going on internally uh, that that has led a lot of people to say, hey, we could all see this coming. But the point being is Grosjean, I'm sure, is locked into next year. So the team, if there is a problem and the two can't get along, then they're going to side with the guy that's locked in. And the reason why DHL stayed you know, and some might say, hey, this this had bad chemistry written all over it. Uh, well, if Grosjean's not in that car this year, I think they're a three-car team because DHL was probably going away. That's why Ryan hunter Ray and Michael Andretti knew that it wasn't going to continue beyond last year. They knew it early in the year, and we found out later in the year. But DHL said, we're not coming back. And I think they convinced DHL to come back for, what, about 10 of the races because of an international presence like Grosjean. So if there were to be something that came to a head, they're going to decide with the guy that's going to be there and the guy that's uh, not already moving on. And I wasn't suggesting that was even a consideration after this incident. It would only be if it blows up again. Uh, but we got to keep an eye on another team. So how are they going to manage the rest of this season as well at this point? And, you know, we haven't also mentioned is leading in the Toronto race. We should probably point out that, unfortunately, Tatiana Calderon is not going to be there. The, the rocket payments still haven't shown up. So that car has to be parked for the time being, but racer.com had a story today saying the paddock is likely to grow more with the expansions we already know about. So that's going to have to be tabled for next week at this point. Uh, more Twitter questions from the last little bit. Paul Dalby asked this question. I'm refreshing. Interesting how Kevin says contracts don't mean much in IndyCar. Apparently that only holds when teams want to move on from drivers, not when drivers want to move on from teams. Shoes on the other foot now, and suddenly the chipster doesn't like it. Hashtag trackside. Yeah, it's just like the NFL. Contracts are one side in the NFL, too. They are non-guaranteed for the players, but oftentimes the teams, if they like, will hold the, the, the players to the terms of options and rookie contracts and so forth. And sometimes when I say the contracts don't mean anything, you know, if a team loses their sponsor – and they have no money to pay you. It doesn't do you any good to sue them because the money's not there. But ultimately, when I say the contracts don't mean anything, it just means that you're not guaranteed to drive. Maybe you get paid. Maybe you don't. More likely, they can find a clause that keeps them from paying you. Or, as reportedly was the case with James Hinchcliffe, and I can speak to this because I've not asked Hinch about this because he'd tell me 
And I don't think he should tell me. Um, remember when he got fired by McLaren, we started hearing that he wasn't allowed to drive the next year and he was going to have to come and sit on the pit stand and go to hospitality. And, and you know, they, they made it. So he's not going to want to stay under contract. So they probably came up with some sort of a buyout in that circumstance, but I highly doubt that he got all the money that he was supposed to be getting on the contract. So, yeah. So what's unique about this though, and the thing I, I, I still struggle with in this whole conversation is if, if it was a team option and the team picked up the option, how does Alex have, you know, a, a leg to stand on? And mm -hmm. I know they'll, they'll work it out. I mean, it will get worked out in some form. There are only two options because <laughs> he, he's not going back to the 10 car. He'll either get a settlement between McLaren and Ganassi or he'll sit out next year It'll it, from an IndyCar standpoint. But those are really the only two options because I don't think he's going back to the 10 car in 2023. No, there's, there's no going back at this point because it – it got ugly tonight and it's going to get a lot uglier. And I think it's probably been ugly from what I've been hearing for a while, which is why I was in the line of thinking that, all right, maybe they're going to hold him to the 23 option, but then there's no chance that he's going back and they may not even be interested in him coming back. And it, it seemed to have gotten um, that toxic since he Buckeye says, how about uh, this name for the now open 10 Ryan Hunter Ray? Yeah. That was one of the first ones I mentioned. If, if for some reason this gets super ugly and they don't want him in their tent the rest of the year, uh, which I doubt, but again, who knows what happens? Who knows what happens? They've got a guy that's available and will be very good the rest of the year. And if they can't find the right person that they want long-term, I do think Ryan Hunter Ray is it. Ryan Hunter Ray and Sebastian Bourdais are both possibilities and Hunter Ray more so because Bourdais, I think, is more – he's definitely set to be a full-time sports car driver, and he's also planning on driving Le Mans in a factory Cadillac program, and I believe there is going to be an IndyCar conflict with Le Mans. Now, is Ryan Hunter Ray set for that? I don't know. But real possibilities, yes. Yeah, it's so uh... – we got a lot. Seeing the got a lot of miles to go. My goodness! <laughs> if we didn't know Pelot was brave already, we do now. I wouldn't want to face an angry Chip Ganassi. Uh, Etham Bucky. <laughs> Why well, haven't you mentioned Erickson in the ten next year? Maybe. I guess they could slide him over. I, I haven't mentioned him because he's he's going to be with the team next year. But that could be. You bring up a good point. That could solve some issues. Because he's a pay driver, as he describes. He, yeah. His people are still paying for this, so that might be the way out because he's probably going into an option year as well. And they might want to keep some of their drivers happy and start to look towards the future beyond 2023, and that would be a way to do it, to say, all right, Marcus, you're no longer required to bring any budget. You're an Indy 500 champion. NTT Data is going to be happy having you represent their program. You're in the 10 car. You are a hired paid driver. You bring nothing but your helmet, and we will now go seek out budget for that other car. And if any of your partners want to be a sponsor on that car or stay on yours, fantastic. We'll figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah, I think that's, but then, that's, a, that's yeah. a real option. That's a real option. You know, it may be... Maybe the NTT just moves to the eight car. If he likes being in the eight car, that's a possibility. NTT data originally was 
on the number eight car. Uh, Michael Shaw uh, says, I find the contracts don't mean anything type of line is rarely correct, though sounds good. Almost every time a contract is broken, it's actually a clause in the contract that's used to get one or both parties out of it before any time deadlines. Yeah, I think that's right. But usually they, they do find clauses. So what you think you signed for, yeah, if it's ironclad, you've got a, you've got a chance to make it stick and at least make something of it. But they don't have to let you drive the car most of the time. Next question is, how often do teams or drivers take legal action when they do breach them on either side? Uh, it I'd say happen. not a lot. It, it does happen, but not a lot. And I've heard a lot of stories of drivers not getting paid what they thought they were due. And sometimes the feeling is, yeah, I'm still trying to get hired by someone and I don't want to be known as litigious. And they probably also figure that the team owner has better attorneys than I do. And they have more ability to wait this out than I do. And then what if they do something where I'm not allowed to drive until this is settled and they slow this down in the courts. So oftentimes they just let it go and try to go on and get their next job. I know that's happened before. Ben Lamb, Benny Factor. Okay, so does this mean that Sato might go to the number 10 car? The main sponsor is a Japanese company after all, at least a subsidiary of one. That would surprise me, but it's a good point. It's a good point. And if if that car needs to have budget, if that Ericsson thing happens, oh, that is something to keep an eye on, that NTT data might be interested in some of the other Honda budget and whatever else could come along. If that's the only way that car runs, if it's with a driver that brings budget, very possible. All right, back with more in just a moment. How about that for a program? Next week, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Wednesday, 7 until 9. Make sure you join us exclusively on Peacock this weekend. First practice, 2.30 on Friday afternoon. Race time, 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, 3.30 green flag. I wanted to spend some time on this, too. Check my Twitter feed today. Really cool event we're doing, Brickyard Weekend. Thursday, July 28th, the Brickyard Prelude Party presented by Wise Financial. We'll be announcing some associate partners. We have more room for more. Uh, please hit me up if you'd like more information. There's a link on my Twitter page. Thanks to Indy Custom Stone, Cox Beckman Goss & Company, Viva Tia Maria, Hub Insurance, and Don Smock Auctions among our associate partners as well. And we'll have more details on that as we move forward. Drivers, music, much more all coming up. Thanks to Sam and Kurt. I'm Kevin. This is 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.